Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of How to Scale a Business. I'm on with Steve Ardiri from Better Meal AI. And Steve, thank you so much for being in the show. It's honor. It's our honor to have you. Oh, my pleasure. And a lot of stuff, like technical stuff that you've learned, like over like how many years, like over a decade, just but I'll be asking you a very simple question. <laughs> so uh, how did you start? How did you start in the space? Like, where okay. did you get this drive and motivation? Can you share a little right, bit about that? Yeah, that's a great, great first question, June. So, so I've been a advisor consultant for, um, for like 25 years, uh, maybe a little bit more now. Um, mm. And uh, <clears throat> I first got interested in doing this type of work from some early engagements like with Microsoft and Boeing. And I said, you know, this is actually a lot more interesting than just getting a day job, you know, working for company XYZ. Mm. And uh, the dynamics, the, um, you know, the, the newness, the learning, you know, you can kind of like follow your curiosity, which is, which is marvelous you know, predicated, of course, getting, mm. you know, getting the right engagements. And that really kind of galvanized my interests and efforts of being um, an advisor consultant. And I picked the, the hardest space, which is early stage. So it's mm. not, you know, it's a lot easier, you know, of course, when you have a Series A, B funded startup, plug into that. But it's kind of scary for a lot of folks like, oh, my gosh, you guys early stage is like pre-seed, you know, maybe seed funding like we're doing for a better meal. And it's a lot tougher. In fact, you've got to be more of like a CrossFit athlete to handle it. Otherwise, you're going to cave. <laughs> and it's, it's a real thing. That's a real thing. You need to like um, physically prepare it as well. You do. It's really, you know, just like in top-notch sports. I'll make this analogy out of the gate, you know. It's 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 really a tough mental game. I mean, the physicality, yes, you've got to be geared up for that, but you know, you've got to you've got to be resilient, you got to be persistent, and you really, you know, you got to know how to handle rejection and failure because mm -hmm. there's more of that than there is success. You agree. 100% and a lot of this that you do is like problem solving. So this is somehow like coming into you as like a second sense, which is um, like, which is somewhat pretty amazing. So talking about a startup and talking about these challenges, it is really difficult. Can we delve in into that more like specifically? So just to share with our audience, like what's the, what's the most difficult thing in starting a business, especially in a space and how to overcome that? Yeah. So uh, most people will say, you know, do you really have the right product market fit? Because the last thing you want to do, you know, is, and you can't even, you know, now in this new market of, of you know, extreme um, measures that hey, you really got to have traction, traction being real bona fide paying customers and out there in the market that, you know, that is, that is achieving the type of results. You can't get away like you used to do years ago or even the, the general recent past with kind of a hyped up, you know, marketing plan or, you know, with just a lot of what I call mostly sizzle and very little steak. And, uh, 
and uh, especially when you're, you know, you don't have like somebody that um, <clears throat> is an ex Facebook, Google, which kind of got a free pass, you know. So, so when you're dealing, you know, ninety nine percent of startups, you know, uh, don't have, you know, they've got to kind of do it the old fashioned way, which is, mm-hmm. you know, get to a you know, get to a commercial viable product and get out there and start, you know, knocking down deals and getting that monthly recurring revenue number up to a reasonable metric um, to where, you know, this is all predicated that, you know, for your pre-seed, you know, you've got to solve that problem yourself, whether it be through friends and family, angel investors. There's a, there are some pre-seed investors, but most VCs don't do it. Or you can do crowdfunding, you know, which is another avenue, right? So you've mm-hmm. got to really, you know, the good news about this today is uh, I have a real uh, propensity to lean startups like Better Meal has, has, has executed on. And, uh, and it's kind of satisfying because, you know, once you start to, you know, we're now over you know, ticking past 40,000 monthly recurring revenue. Uh, in addition to the product market fit, the second thing is having the right team in place for smart execution, all right? So you've got to be able to execute very, you know, with the clear vision and motivation. Mm. And, you know, and you've got, um, and the team has to be totally aligned in order in order to, um, address those challenges, right? So, so, uh, so that's that's where we're at right now with with Better Meal is, mm. um, and we all, you, you, it's much better to where you're, if you have more of a holistic offering that will actually have elements of of a D to C like we do with our apps, you know, a Better Meal app, you know, in in Apple and Google Store as well as a B2B strategy, that's going to give you multiple revenue streams, you know, and, every, you know, and you kind of link them together. Like in our case, the, 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 the D2C feeds the B2B mm. and vice versa, and everything is like integrated. And we're also now uh, in the stages of, of, you know, talking to other, you know, partnerships, where you can monetize partnerships, which is really great, where, you know, your, you know, your components could be a value add to the other guy and you can do a rev share agreement, which is an, a, an awesome revenue stream to create in addition to, you know, direct sales and reseller sales. Yep, 100%. And you said, um, and part of that, you should have like a, a strong mindset, a resilient one for rejection. That's one of the best thing to, to have. And in doing this process, there are like changes along the way, especially with the latest trends and development. So that's the uh, next question that comes along, Steve. How do you keep up with this uh, latest trends uh, in development? How does this affect your um, uh, the business, especially with AI around ChatGPT? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, ChatGPT. I just put up a post two days ago, and it has over 10,000 impressions. Amazing. Which is amazing, right? And that's not my primary business. It's really tangential. I just got, you know, it gets a little annoying about the purported experts, about the capabilities, and it has very good and not so good purposes. So just a quick digression. It's, um, you know, 
you know, large language models are not a panacea. Let me just state that, right? They're, you know, like in, um, they, uh, if you're doing content creation, they're pretty efficient to be able to mm -hmm. do some very smart word generation. Um, but what most people don't get, you know, um, you've got to use them in the area. I would not, you know, like in healthcare, which is my number one area, there, there's pros and cons to it. In fact, if you get um, a little bit complacent there and where people are doing their own analysis of, of certain conditions without the guidance of, of clinicians, you know, mm -hmm. real doctors, you can get into misdiagnosis pretty, pretty quickly. So mm -hmm. the thing about it is that large language models do not have explainability. They are unpredictable and notorious liars, you know, just like slick con artists are, all right? They cannot understand the complexity of human language and don't generate meaning. They're mm -hmm. just arranging word patterns with suburb bullshitting that can generate sometimes inappropriate nonsensical output, you know, without warning. And the other thing, similar to the world that we live in of misinformation, disinformation, they have no general understanding of what is true and false. So unlike humans, which have common sense reasoning, which is like the holy grail of, of AI and getting into sentience, right? Mm -hmm. They can mean, you know, they can expectly be misleading, bias. Biases are baked in, you know, just like in the training there. And, uh, and the three unique human, human traits that can't be replicated, this is what I kind of you know, embedded into the post, why I got so much mm -hmm. play, is they cannot replicate, replicate curiosity, okay? So the people today, it's not the answers you provide, it's like you're do we're doing this podcast. It's the smart questions that you're asking, right? You know, if you don't ask the right questions to evaluate, vet, learn, and adapt to make smarter decisions, mm. you know, the chat GPT and other, not just picking on them, other large language models, they always look for the quick fix, like consuming fast food. So they can actually numb or dumb down your curiosity as a result of that, okay? The second ingredient is personality, right? Yeah, they can try to, you know, have elements of, of a persona, but, you know, this, they really don't have, you know, bona fide human traits of empathy, humility, emotional intelligence. So, so those skills are as important as, you know, the effort, you know, the initiative, you know, that type of stuff. And my, the third, the third part. Yeah. Is this notion of self-awareness? You know, it goes back to the missing apex of the Maslow's hierarchy. So, you know, you've got to be able to have, uh, you know, a, a, a depiction of you know behavior understanding, right? And mm -hmm. uh, and that's where humans kind of transcend the best of the LMMs. Hundred percent, and especially the first one, curiosity. Mm -hmm. So that's like there's like a lot of ROI for curiosity alone, <laughs> so which cannot be replicated by the AI. 
But as you said, also for marketing, like doing an outline for content marketing, or actually yeah. like having um, the AI write uh, the actual content, it's pretty helpful. What does he say? It is absolutely. The, the, those phones? are great use cases for it, right? So, I mean, really, I started speaking about. Uh, it was at an IBM Think conference. So that's why it's sort of like I smile when I see these things about augmented intelligence in the future mm. of work. I, I was starting to use augmented intelligence over five years ago, right? And I, you know, in that presentation that I did, and now all the pontificators are coming, you know, even, you know, the CEOs of you know, like, like IBM, you know, mm. oh, AI, you know, augmented intelligence, duh, you know, some of us got there like five years before you did, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, um, uh, clearly that's the future is I always like to frame it, you know, with a call out to Peter Drucker uh, and his management books, efficiency should be delegated to machines, whereas effectiveness should be a human pursuit and that kind of mm. rolls back to curiosity you know personality that type of stuff humility mm. you know that type of awareness yeah self-awareness yeah 100 yeah, percent. and aside from this ai that's going on how about like specific can you share like a specific tools or, or tactics i know you have a bunch with um for startup businesses but what is the particular um uh, specific tools and tactics that's been like particularly effective in helping these startups companies to to actually grow. Yeah, so I'm going to refer to uh, to Better Meal. So let's. Uh, mm. What is we're not using generative AI. We're using biological AI, and most people don't understand the difference between the two. But essentially, what we do at Better Meal is that we are the first for hyper-precision nutrition based on gut health. And what does that all mean? Well, we are, you know, uh, rather than a more laborious way of going in, getting, you know, or having a gut test health kit mailed to you, then you send it back to the lab, get an analysis of it, and then you say, okay, what do I do now? you know, if I have this chronic issue like type two, you know, pre-type two diabetes, well, we have a better way. So what we do is that our input for our AI engine is that you literally take your blood chem panel tests, okay, that most normal people get every year and you upload that to, uh, we're using AWS mm. and the novel AI in seconds will analyze the unique biomarkers to come up with your personalized gut health depiction. Wow, how cool is that? So rather than just having your doctor say, okay, your triglycerides you know, are, are a little out of bound, your cholesterol levels, your, you know, your uh, AG ratios, and then you say to yourself, okay, how can I correct this? Well, then we kick in the, the, the linkage between matching the gut health information, the microbiomes, with the bioactives and foods. Mm -hmm. And the user of our app can now be empowered to say, oh, wow, that means I can now, you know, really, you know, rather, you know, you can still have a nutritionist or, or, or a clinician in the loop. But basically what this is going to do is really rather than feeding your head with a pharma pill that masks mm. the issue, 
you can actually um, create good gut health um, bacterial diversity using food as a medicine, and that will help heal your chronic health issues. And we have the clinical study of a half a million participants in India that validates essentially what I just riffed off to you. Which is, which is phenomenal. In my opinion, I totally agree with that one. And I, I just got education, educated in what like biological AI does, to be honest yes. with you. Yes, yes. It's actually, you know, that really has much more upside for like healthcare, you know, issues than, than generative AI. And that's the fallacy out there with a lot of folks. They think this could be applied to even the hard areas and you know like healthcare where the complexity is just so much greater than just generating great you know ad copy or outreach copy like uh like uh, chat gpt is a fine job of. yeah yeah agree and it became like more popular right now since it's became more like accessible to the public that's Correct. the you're right it's been around for several years now it's just like three months from now or three months ago for four right. five months it, that's right. why it became it like more popular because it's more accessible to the public. So again, Ex thanks for exactly, uh, yeah. And you know, I mean, you're starting to see the iterations of the methodology, and you know, there's other experts. We don't have time to get into it, but the you know, you can't just rely on a pure you know neural network with the iterations of transform to really get into. I mean, there's there's still some of the old school symbolic processing that can be, you know, you know, when you're getting into more, you know, what I call uh, 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 really hard math problems, neural networks are not the solution for that. You know, you need other tools. So you got to use the appropriate tool to the problem at hand is my point. Yeah, totally, 100%. And how about, how about let's dive into the part of like metrics or like KPIs that you use to measure the success of the business. Right, so, so uh, there's a lot of the KPIs, but of course the most meaningful one that really bubbles up is, is, is how are you really scaling, you know, monthly recurring and then annual recurring revenue. Um, mm -hmm. Those are the metrics that matter. And the, the other fallacy, it's, it's not always, Everybody gets excited about we raised, you know, 10 million, 20 million, you know, but you're raising the bar in terms of getting a successful exit. The more money you raise, the real issue is how little money you can raise to get to the highest number of annual recurring revenue. That's really the metric today that that counts, because, say, for instance, if you've only you know, needed $5 million through a pre-seed and seed and to get to 10 million ARR in like a pretty short period of time, maybe even two years, mm -hmm. that means you're carrying a $100 million valuation. That is like a double grand slam because the thing about VCs is that only less, you know, and this is uh, proven research from organization have done it, only about 5% of their portfolio uh, are really the, you know, the 4X and greater returns. And they kind of mask that. I mean, half their portfolio is like 1X to below that. Mm -hmm. 
And that's the joke with it. So when we're reaching out least better meal, we're going to the smaller funds that, you know, you're, you're going to get better attention or you're not going to be a, you know, a piece of cattle or, or a sheep in the line up there. And the good news here is lean startups today in 2023 and going forward are the new black. And that's a great place to be in. If you can, again, you know, assemble the right team to execute it and, uh, and then go from there. 100%. And yeah, I, I totally agree with that one. And aside from that, how about like the partnership? Like what partnership and collaboration that has been formed that helped you like establish this business that you got? Or we can talk about more of like the network, how you established the network. Ah, yes, yes. So you brought up an issue where it's really near and dear to me because, you know, uh, unless you have deep relationship capital with a personal mm -hmm. brand, you're likely not going to make it or you're just going to be, you know, you know, you don't have the, the juice, so to speak, right? So you've got to really leverage that accordingly. Deep relationship capital with a brand mm -hmm. where you can deliver. I mean, the bottom line is this, you know, you got to be able to walk your talk. And um, without that, you're not going to be able to execute. So as I like to say, I walk my talk as a, as a practitioner of fierce conversations and unfuck with ability. And if you don't know the phrase, what that means is that it's a state of being with a sense of self-assuredness that defies fear. Remember what I said, rejection, ego, mm -hmm. where you can still be true to your core beliefs and execute on that. Which is, which is pretty deep. <laughs> yes, uh, it is. Which, which is yeah. And you don't definitely. like, uh, you don't like, you know, you got to kind of like build up to this, this state, you know, uh, and a lot of it getting there is, is through a lot of failure and rejection, but then you, you know, you, you maintain the burning desire of curiosity and a growth mindset. And then, you know, you incorporate that and you become more formidable in terms of, knowing how to handle, you know, uh, situations that, you know, where you can actually take what I like to, okay, like to talk about the shades of gray and make them black and white. A lot, you know, no one has time to meander around the mulberry bush today. You've got to like, when you're engaging with a particular sale, a partner, a funder, you got to cut right through like a hot knife through butter and understand, okay, do I feel like this has the right footprint of trust and chemistry? Because without that, you're not going to make it. Mm. I agree with that one. And actually, uh, well, what's what's happening right now? I'm, I'm also like guilty of that one myself, like having patience. Things will not happen overnight. Of course, you, you, you got to be persistent about it and you got to face the rejection and you got to face it like almost every day. Pretty much. Right. Absolutely. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. People saying you, you just need to be persistent, as you said. It's not um, some it's not a sprint, but it's uh, it's a marathon. Yeah. What? Well, you actually you got to have this duality. You've got to be this athlete that can sprint when you need to sprint, but you also have to have the uh, you know okay. I got to, This is going to be a long term game, and you got to 
you know, you've got to have the right tactics for the situation at hand, right? So it's sort of like, you know, I love soccer as the metaphor is that you got to know when you're doing, you know, against your opponents, do the high press to put the pressure on them. And then sometimes they're, you know, a team that's, you know, you got to change your tactics. So it's just like Mm -hmm. in sports. And I love soccer as the verb. You've got to continue to read the situation, you know, do real-time situation analysis and adjust your tactics. A lot of startups, they don't know how to adjust their tactics because they don't have the caliber of strategy and tactical execution figured out. <laughs> I, I agree with that. And um, to, to move more into this um, uh, question, actually, I know the answer to this question is has been said, but I just uh-huh. want to move into this more, more further. Um, since the, the title of the podcast is How to Scale a Business, so Steve, what is your secret in scaling the business and having this enthusiasm and drive that you have and like still moving this business more forward? So let's say, what's the secret? So the Please secret share, right? is, <laughs> yeah, you know, it really comes down to what I said earlier and I'll repeat it again because it's worth it. Mm. And it actually has, you know, I'll put it, I'll put it this way. If you got, you know, a bunch of Stanford and MIT, you know, graduates, right, to do a startup versus other people from state schools, you know, UW, you know, but if you can, if you can galvanize the, the efforts of that team versus the prima donna ones, you're going to beat them. Okay, you see this in sports, the underdog, like, like Mm -hmm. the NCAA tournament in basketball, right? It's a great analogy. How does somebody's, you know, you know, nine through fifteen seed, you know, knock out the number one seeds, right? So it's it's like because they prepared, their tactics were better, and the same thing applies to startups, okay? Where you've got to use that same mentality and getting that right team in place with a clear vision, the motivation, you know, predicated on having the right, you know, strategy to execute on. You're going to, you know, you're going to probably be successful. And that's essentially what we're practicing at Better Meal. And what you provided, I know the more experienced the, the, the people that I under, interview, the more simple the, the answer. It's yes. just amazing. So, and sometimes they told me it's just about the execution and about the persistence it, and the perseverance that you got. Exactly. Once you get, you know, grooved, you know, and you say, okay, I got, you know, my swim lane or bowling alley going here, you know, and I'm throwing strikes or or kicking ass in the pool, then you just, you just go, you know, bigger and better. And, you know, and then, you know, you look for tangential, like I said, we, you know, we've got multiple revenue streams. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So rather than just saying, well, I'm a, just a pure play SaaS service, boy, if you don't really score there. So if you, you know, that's why I'm saying the, the revenue share OEM agreements are like printing money. If you can get into those, you know, areas for revenue streams, then your chances of success really start to go up measurably. Hmm. That's why you need to, um, of course, definitely stick with that. And what you provided to us is just um, super insightful. And Steve, we can consider it as a liquid gold. So 
if anyone if anyone wants to connect with you, wants to uh, reach out to you, or let's say partner with you, talk about the, the startup business, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. My personal website, it's a long one. It's forcemultipliersteveardiri.com. Okay. And um, LinkedIn, it's also the same, like Steve Ardiri. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you know, the good name with me, it's not a Smith or a Jones. So you'll you'll get me like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally agree with that one. Like the first one to pop up, that's exactly, that's exactly. And I'm I'm kind of like you know plastered out there on a lot of you know even Google searches. You'll see like pages of of hits. Yeah. <laughs> it just and again, I'm gonna repeat it again, and again, Steve. It's our honor to have you in our show, uh, providing us that information. So for our listeners, if you made it this far, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, if you got any value from today's episode, we would love to get a rating or like a review to where you get the podcast. If there is someone in the myth of growing their business or thinking about starting a business, send this episode to them. And then um, take one thing as well that, that you learn a day, uh, go out and implement and execute it. And then just let us know um, uh, how it goes and let us know about your wins. Above all, thanks for being with us today. And again, Steve, appreciate it. It's our honor to have you on our show. We experience a pour of liquid gold from you. Thank you. Thank you, Jun. You're a terrific moderator. Amazing, amazing. Appreciate that a lot. And everyone, see you in the next episode. Cheers.